Thank you, team, so much. If you would, give a high five and then have a seat. Give a high five to your neighbor. We're so glad that you made it this morning to Luminous. Team, just so grateful that we got to worship with you. And thanks. Didn't Pastor Edgar do a great job last week? Get over Pastor Edgar right here. Oh, one thing I do love about our church, there's not much elitism. You know, that's all things to all people. Uh, the pastors set up and put up, put up pulpits or music stands or whatever. We're grateful for that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 6 this morning. Luke chapter 6 is where we're going to be. And uh, we're continuing this series called Conversations by the Seashore, or the Shoreline. Conversations by the Shoreline. Uh, shoreline sounds much cooler than seashore. So the shoreline. And, uh, you know, maybe some of y'all follow Shoreline Church, so you know what that's about, you know. Shoreline. Conversations by the shoreline. And just uh, I'm excited to share God's word. Pastor Edgar shared last week just something that I really think encouraged us who participated in that service, whether online or in person. I hope it blessed you. It blessed me. Uh, we have Alyssa Gilbert preaching next week. Give it up for the ladies. And uh, I'm, I'm deeply grateful for a church that doesn't center around one person. And uh, although I know I'm called, I'm called to preach, I'm called to lead this church. Uh, I'm thankful that we get to share this pulpit and get to share this platform for many different voices. And what's unique about the voices that are coming uh, forth from this pulpit, obviously it's God and his word. But the people um, delivering these sermons, they're all in different life stages. Um, Pastor Edgar has teenagers. How many of you have teenagers? Yeah, like four of us here. Our youth ministry is small. It's going to grow. Praise God. It's going to grow. I was a youth pastor. It has to grow. And then we, and then we have myself. I have, I have some elementary students. And then we have Pastor Austin who shares in. He, he has a baby girl and a pregnant wife who was helping lead worship this morning. We have, we have Alyssa, who's married with two kids, who's a female, who's going to preach the word from a perspective as a female. We have Jaron, one of our campus ministers, who's single, preaching the word as a female, and a black female at that. You see, there's different voices that are coming from here, but the same word. And every time you come into this place, expect God to move in your life. Expect the word to open up and be encouraged. I pray that you are. I see, I want to. I want to dismantle the status quo from this from this pulpit saying that there are many people who can preach the word should preach the word and encourage the church for the glory of god hallelujah this is what we're believing in this is what we do and so when you came this morning you, you may have came hearing me but you're going to come being a part of a family a, a family here a spiritual family that that locks arms with one another and helps each other and cultivates the gifts that's inside one another I was talking to Sean and Josie this morning and they came wanting a church that's spirit filled meaning they want a church that looks like the church in the new testament they want a church where the Holy Spirit was present and people were being filled by his presence and releasing those gifts to encourage one another to help build up the body of Christ. Because if we don't build up each other, who will? Who's going to build you up? Who's going to encourage you? Who's going to fan the flame that's inside of you? Who's going to do it? It's the church. The church is going to do it. Go ahead. Fan your neighbor. Fan your neighbor. Everybody fan your neighbor. 
Say, come on, man. Come on, faith grow. Say, faith grow. Come on, faith your other neighbor. Come on, faith is coming. Hallelujah. You see that? Y'all feel that? I hope so. And you see, the church, when it assembles, is beautiful. It's encouraging. It is the lifeline that, and the mechanism that Jesus is using to bring the gospel and the kingdom on earth. He's using the church. This is the vehicle that we have to be on. We have to be on it, whether it's here or another. Whether it's here or the one down the street, because there's a lot of good churches in this city. You need to be in one. It's the vehicle to get you to your destiny and for the bride, for the bride to be pure and spotless and holy without wrinkle that she is going to come and present herself to the bridegroom. The church is purifying itself by coming together and worshiping and giving him glory and honor. It's what he desires for us. So those moments when you come in church, there's a like-mindedness that happens, isn't there? A like-mindedness of who we are and how we sharpen one another. And we all fall under this principle of how we follow Christ, that he is our Lord. He is our Lord, as we read about in Luke 6. But before we get there, I want to update you on what's going on in our spiritual family around the world. We're a part of a movement of churches called Every Nation. Every Nation is a global a global family of churches that exist around the world. There are in metro areas all over the globe. They're in rural areas across continents. They're, they're in over 80 nations. God is moving through every nation. And in this global family of churches, we were at a conference last week, and we got to experience our North American family, and we got to worship with them. All the pastors and leaders came together to worship together and encourage one another. I ran into my friend Keith Hightower. He played for Orlando Magic, has High Point Church there in Orlando, and he is incredible. He was telling me about what God is doing and the miraculous power of God in other nations as they're going on short-term mission trips to help establish churches and campus ministries in other places. You will have an opportunity to do that as well. The door opened to Cuba a couple of years ago. You may remember this, that they had limited, limited ways to Cuba. There's two organizations that are recognized by Cuba, religious organizations, and every nation's one of them. Every nation gets to go into Havana and we get to share the gospel, we get to do medical missions, we get to do trips. And every time that this team for, or from High Point Orlando, your sister, Every Nation Church, every time they go, they put together a list that they have to send the government on their visa. This is what we want to do. We want to do campus ministry. We want to help people. We want to build a church. We want to train leaders. This is what we want to do. Every time... They said, you can't build a church, and you can't do campus ministry every time. Now, I got to tell you something. In 1958, when communism took over in Cuba, I believe that's the year, they started burning all the churches down in Cuba. Well, eventually, the, the pastors and the people are like, no, don't burn our churches down. I thought this is the people's party. Why are you burning our churches down? So they said, you can keep your churches, but you can't do any restoration to them, any renovation. You can't update them. You can't 
fix them. You can't build any new ones, but you can keep your existing churches. That was 1958. Well, fast forward, there's no new churches. In fact, there was a church that a hurricane came through, blew the roof off of it. They ended up putting the roof back on this church in the middle of the night. The government found out about it, burned the church down, and put the pastors in jail. So this church, Every Nation Church, Your Sister Church, the global family of churches that we're a part of, started doing mission trips over there. And they did it in such a way that honored the government. They weren't in a rebellious way. They just went through the doors that were open. They took 17 trips to Cuba. 17. And every time they say, we'd like to do campus ministry. We'd like to build a church. And we'd like to raise leaders. And this time they said, can't do that. Can't do that. But you can build a church. So they had six weeks to build a church. Their visa came back. They had six weeks. They're gathering all these supplies. They're doing all this stuff. And they end up constructing and pouring a foundation. And in this foundation, the team puts all, all, all these scriptures and prayers. And we have a photo right here of the team putting pictures and, and pages in the foundation that's getting covered. And, and what God is doing there. This is the foundation. This is all the scriptures going into this foundation of a church, the first church in Cuba since 1958 being built. They dedicate the church, and in this moment, Keith Hightower is there, and he's, he's the tall white dude, Sean, if you're looking for that picture. I profiled him. The tall white guy, he's there, and he's preaching, dedicating this, and there's a picture of him doing this right here. And, oh yeah, sorry, I'm looking on right here. I'm so sorry. So right here, there's, there's Pastor Keith right here. He's like 7'1", right there, and right above him in that tree are these white doves. There's white doves everywhere landing in this tree. This guy from Cuba goes, oh man, dude, look at the white doves. Look at the white doves. And they're like, there's doves. There are no white doves in Cuba. The Holy Spirit descended upon that place and filled that tree with just, that was just some of, filled the tree with white doves as they were dedicating. When they were done dedicating, the doves flew off. Is that a miracle story? Come on, somebody. The first church since 1958 being constructed, the Holy Spirit coming and falling down in this place, and they're dedicating the building, and they are asking for more and more laborers to come. They're asking people to come and help do mission trips and help reach Cuba, Havana, one of the most elite universities there, one of the most elite universities where they're asking them to come and train and do campus ministry and preach the gospel and just open doors there. Keith was also telling me in St. Thomas that there's a pastor there and they have this land. They donated it to every nation. They have people being discipled and they have no pastor to pastor this church. Any pastors want to go to St. Thomas? Okay, no hands in this service. We'll have to try next one. God is moving. The church is moving forward. He's moving around the globe. The kingdom is advancing. Miracles are happening. People are being discipled. Churches are being built. And the laborers are few. Pray there for laborers. Because the fields are white for harvest. Church, we exist 
as an every nation church to not just sit in rows, which I'm so thankful you're in a row today. We exist to link up, to move into discipleship, to build each other up and raise up future pastors and future donors and future missionaries, to exist to raise up future doctors and future lawyers. We exist to raise up future people and equip them for the work of the ministry because the harvest is plentiful. Amen. This is just some of what God's doing around the world. Next week, we have uh, Lieutenant Jared Gallardo here in the house, and uh, he's going to give us an update from Guam. He's in San Antonio doing a training, and so he's going to give us a Guam update on what God is doing in every nation in Guam next week. So excited about that. Let's get to God's Word. That was a big update, but I thought it was necessary. Luke 6, 46 through 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my word or words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Those who call me Lord, Lord, do you do what I say? The question I have for us in our community, are you doing what he has said? Are you following Jesus' instruction, or are you merely calling him by a name or a title, but not putting any weight or authority in that name, in that title? Are we a people, when we read this, are we listening to the conversations by the seashore, by the shoreline, my apologies. Are we listening to these conversations, and are we hearing what Jesus says, and are we obeying? The tendency for a lot of us is to be rebellious. How many of you know that's true? I'm getting a glass of water. Thank you. Yes, we constantly find ourselves being rebellious because of different circumstances or situations. How many of you like to make your own decisions? Come on. Come on, somebody. It's like a pandemic upon pandemics of deciding where to eat after church. How many know that's true in a family of more than two or more than one? Hey, I want to eat here. I want to eat here. Some of you, y'all are so rebellious, you just go get your own food and bring it home. Can I get an amen? You're like, you know, I, I would really like some fellowship. I would really like to enjoy a meal. I'd really like to break some bread with you. But I would rather just get my own food and what I like and meet you at home and do it there. We like to make our own decisions. That's why I love communion. You don't get to decide what kind of wafer you get or what kind of juice you have. Well, we're all going to have the same wafer and juice next week with Alyssa preaching. It's going to be good. You see, we like to make our own decisions. We like to make our own choices. And anything that would get us to do differently than what we have already decided in our heart to do, we will rebel against. How many know that's true? 
will rebel against anything that says differently. David did this with Bathsheba. He already decided in his heart, there was already lust of his eyes, that he was going to take that woman, even though he knew it was wrong, and he did it anyway. You see, we like our own decisions. Some of them good, some of them bad. Some of them disguised as good. You know, some of them disguised as, man, this is a good thing. Trust me. How many of you have gone to your wife and told her a great story on why you deserve something or why you should go on that fishing trip or that camping trip and miss your family reunion? Uh, You know, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons and we start making good reasons. You know, this is the only time I'll ever be able to shoot an elk. So I have to go, you know, and they paid for me. You know, that type of thing. We start doing all this stuff. This is no different. This is no different than what's happening here. As Jesus is saying and preaching this sermon that we read about in Luke chapter 6, it is no different that there's people who want to do what's right in their eyes and not what's right in God's eyes. And we have faced this same dilemma over and over again, and therefore we rebel. It's rebellion is essentially what it was to step into sin. Sin is disobedience or rebellion towards God. It was rebellion that cost the devil his place when he recognized God's authority. And he was in this place of worship and he was in this place of dwelling with God, being in God's presence, having position, having all these things but he wanted more so he rebelled and did his own thing and god has nothing to do with rebellion rebellion to his word rebellion to what he says rebellion to his character but we love rebelling we love it and we love to take these risk you know these risk because we hear phrases like no risk no reward We hear these moments like, man, I got to take a risk. So we sometimes shortchange the process or shortchange the stepping into what we think is God's destiny for a life. We shortchange it and we step out because I got to take a risk. And we equate risk with spontaneity. But risk is not spontaneity. Risk can be very calculated, can it? There can be a risk that is calculated that takes up a set of rules. Ask David Ruggles who launches like spaceships into space, right? That's pretty risky, but how long do you work on a project that goes to Mars, David? Years, years, years of working on a project, years of calculations, years of engineering that abides by rules and laws. This risk to go to Mars follows a lot of rules and laws and principles. The risk is not always spontaneity. Sometimes a risk can be very calculated, and a faith-filled risk, I want to tell you, is usually calculated. There are, there are moments that are calculated. There are moments that God is setting it up. There are moments that you step out and you walk. It's not just going and doing whatever you want to do. It is saying, Lord, Lord, you have authority. And where you tell me, I will follow. And I will not step ahead, nor will I stand still when it's time to go. 
Lord, Lord, you have authority, and that authority has rules and principles and moments that we have to abide by. And it doesn't just happen in a whim or a moment. Sometimes it's calculated. Some of you have been planning for your children because the Lord told you, I want you to plan for their education and their future. But what happens sometimes is we're like, we read this, Lord, Lord, and we move, and it's time to go, and we start building houses on sand because we want to see something erected quickly. But sometimes the thing that God is building takes some time. You ever noticed a skyscraper being built, and you're like, man, that crane has been there forever, and I haven't seen anything. Because they're spending months on the foundation. They have to get it right. They're preparing. They're building. Lord, Lord, why do you call me this and not do what I say? It's because you've been rebellious. And you've been doing things in your own way or your own whims or your own powers and your own impulses. Why not follow what I've called you to follow and be obedient? Lord, Lord, if I'm building this foundation, you're working. I want to be obedient. I want to get it right. What do you say, Lord? You want me to dig through the sand? Find the bedrock? That's where you want to put these pylons? That's where you want to start building and moving right here? But, Lord, it takes so long. It takes so long to study your word and read your word. It takes so long. It's so inconvenient. It's so inconvenient to love my enemies. It's so inconvenient when somebody slaps me on the cheek to give them the other cheek also. You see, I want quick results. I want results now, Lord. This is what I want for my life. Do I have to dig through this sand to the bedrock? I feel like it's going to be exhausting and take forever. But when you build in that way, when you obey the one with authority and you operate how he said, you bless those who curse you. What? Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) That doesn't make me feel good. I like to curse those who curse me. If somebody pulls pulls or cuts me off the road, you know what I like? One finger. Just one. Don't need them all. Just one. I I like to do these things because it just feels like I'm erecting something that quickly satisfies my emotions. It quickly pacifies me. You once were a baby, but you're no longer a baby, church. I'm growing you up to be men and women of God. No longer do you need a passy. It's time to build something that lasts. This one got me because in Luke 6, he says before this, give to everyone who begs from you. I do not like beggars. Confession, I'm a pastor. I don't like it. I don't like when they chase me in the market you know, like the grocery store line at HEB, 
and they follow me all the way. In fact, I quit carrying cash. <laughs> that way, I'm not lying about it anymore. I can just be honest. Bro, if you have a square or something, I could swipe something, but it's just tough for me, but, but the Jesus would say this, if somebody begs from you, do you have the heart of compassion that I have for people to give to something that they don't have? Because I gave you something that you didn't have. This is a hard concept. Lord, Lord, I want to obey you. I want to dig through the sand. I want to build. Obedience happens as we go out in discipleship. As we move into discipleship in our church, we teach one another what Jesus has taught us. We teach one another how to love. We teach each other how to not curse somebody who curses you. We teach each other how to give to a beggar. We, we teach each other how to turn the other cheek. But we teach in such a way that it's not behavior modification. We teach in such a way that we're teaching you to know him. And when you know him, you start changing. Behaviors start changing. When you know him, when you sit with him, when we teach you how to pray, how to read your word, how to fast, how to have solitude, to go and disciple and move into this discipleship culture of being students to the followers of Jesus, that we would be his students and we learn from him. We start changing and he starts changing us. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, you know it. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, Jesus speaking. I am Lord. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations in St. Thomas and Cuba and to the ends of the earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey obedience. Everything I commanded you. Teach them to obey the King. Teach them to obey Jesus. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In your going, in your disciple making, as you're moving to Starbucks or Merit Coffee or in your homes or walks in the park and you're grabbing people and you're talking about Jesus and you're learning from him and he's teaching you and he's filling you with love and grace and compassion for his world that he is redeeming. It starts changing you. You start becoming more like him. It starts forming you to be the church that he's called us to be. And this is our commission. This is what he's asked us to do. To do this wherever we take step. To do this wherever we go. That we would make disciples. 2 Timothy 2.2 says this. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. This is Paul speaking. And trust to reliable people. Who will also be qualified to teach others. 
Paul talking to Timothy, Timothy, everything you heard me say about Jesus, you go say the same thing about Jesus. And find people who are reliable, like reliable. You know the people who are going to actually show up to your discipleship meeting? Praise God. Find them. Get them. The ones that are hungry. My pastor would always say, go with the goers. Find those who have passion and hunger and ready to really dig into the word and say, hey, man, you're reliable. I want to tell you about him because I know you will be faithful to tell others. Church, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where you are in this place. Maybe you have not stepped into discipleship. Maybe when you say, Lord, Lord, you feel like you're the one building something or erecting something on sand. Where you come and you say Jesus and you, you claim Christ, but you don't follow the way. Maybe this is your moment to say, I need to step up and rededicate. I need to say Jesus is Lord. And not just say it. Not just with word, but with deed. My actions. And maybe you have been discipling and you've been faithful. I want to just encourage you, keep going. Keep discipling. Don't lose the passion, the fire. Don't lose it. Keep discipling. Keep obeying. Keep following him. Keep entrusting. And maybe there's somebody, as I'm talking about this, there's somebody on your mind. I need to call that person. See how they're doing with Christ. Maybe I need to help them for a season. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Father, this is a moment that we get to decide. Is Lord, Lord, a title that comes out of our mouth? Or is Lord, Lord, the kingdom that we want to be a part of? Jesus, reveal that to us. Where have we been? Where have we been? And if that's you, you've just been saying, Lord, Lord, but not have been obeying, just make a confession. Say, Jesus, church, will you repeat this after me? Jesus, forgive me for going through the motions. Forgive me for knowing you only by name, but not by obedience. Help me obey. Jesus, give me grace. I receive your grace. I'm your son, your daughter. I receive this grace. Now I get back up. I'm ready to go out and start making disciples. Jesus, we're so grateful today. Do you have your way this morning? Would you bless your church? In Jesus' name.